0: We're in the world where healthy, enduring companies means healthy, enduring cultures.
1: Welcome to The Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a talent-first company. Today's episode features an interview with Stuart Rowland, Senior Director of Global Talent Acquisition at ServiceNow.
2: The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's Talent Lifecycle Management platform makes it possible for companies to deliver more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce using industry-leading AI.
1: Hi, everyone. So today we have a very exciting guest joining us. We have Stuart Rowland, who's the Senior Director of Global Talent Acquisition at ServiceNow. And really excited for our session today, Stuart. We'll get into it with our first segment, The Blueprint. So, Stuart, to kick us off, tell me a little bit about ServiceNow and your
0: role there. Sure, and good afternoon, Sultan. So, ServiceNow, we are a, best way to describe this, we're a cloud based platform. We help digitize and unify organizations so they can find better, faster ways to make work flow, basically. So, you know whether that's employees or customers ultimately being a little bit more connected more innovative and more agile our purpose is we make the world work better for everyone so a great example of this just to kind of bring bring to life what we do the national health service in Scotland last uh, year during covid needed to build a system to manage the national vaccination program right? and the requirements were you know not next year not in six months, like now, as soon as, as soon as you can. So with ServiceNow, workflows were built to manage PPE tracking, contact tracing, care home testing. The whole vaccination management system was built in six weeks. So think of the impact of that to people's lives. I'm very proud when I talk about examples like that because we we also use ServiceNow's technology in our own talent acquisition world as well.
1: Well, that's... Uh... A lot of responsibility as well, I imagine, in the talent acquisition function with the level of importance of not only just filling those roles, but doing this on time and quickly enough. What is the scope of your role and, and your function? And does that, the importance of the kind of things you guys are doing, make that role different to a traditional recruiting role?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So my, I lead the talent acquisition team across the EMEA region for now. This year, that will be more than a thousand hires we do. Globally, we'll do more than 4,000 hires into the company this year. So we're around about 18,000 people today. There's definitely a nuance to what we do in that the people who our team attracts the company are responsible for creating and developing the platform that impacts all of our uh, customers in the future. And by the same token, it's all of the enterprise sales and solution consultants that have the opportunity to kind of take that value to our customers and map map it on to their their vision. So what it means is our rate of growth has been sustained through the 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 mark and there's no sign of it slowing up. So um, like I say to my team, it's good to be in demand.
1: (laughs) And within your team, what would you say is the role of a talent advisor today versus a, a traditional recruiter?
0: Well, it's, um, it's changing, isn't it, for all of us? If I think about my role when I first moved in-house, as the term was when I moved from a recruiting firm into a software company, I was providing value just by showing up and bringing resumes from my network. And really, that's just the starting point now. If we look at the role of a talent advisor in all of the companies that are in our space you know, this person has got to help hiring managers unpack some really challenging, complex challenges. So, you know, question number one would be: how can I develop my position that I'm hiring for? How can I design it inclusively? How can I then design an inclusive process? Another question that our talent advisors get might be: you know, we obviously strive for high quality hiring the best talent in the service now, like many companies that side conversation might be to a talent advisor, well, hey, help me understand why we got these kind of quarterly headcount targets. You know, are we mixing up speed and quality? So trust building and delivery come all together now. And I think the role of a talent advisor is constantly evolving from not just delivering the talent, but guiding and coaching managers and leaders I mean, there's just two topics I've shared, then there's probably another 25 we could talk about and leading those teams through the assessment processes. And, you know, I actually joined a a debrief session for a hire on my team last week, and I got to see one of our own talent advisors in full flight. And she very successfully coached and facilitated the team away from a potential no higher decision when actually we weren't asking certain team members to be so the hire we were asking them to feedback on certain behaviors or competencies and we've un- we've ended up hiring the person in question so um it's an orchestrator now as much as it is you know the person that's accountable for delivering the talent
1: you've mentioned there a number of things that you're having to juggle both as individual talent advisors in your team but as a function quality, speed, inclusion, and, and so many other things. If you had to summarize what your talent strategy is as a whole, how you are approaching your primary goals and primary targets for the coming one, two, three years, how would you summarize that in a few sentences?
0: In ServiceNow, we have a people pact. You could call it our, our kind of employee value proposition. And it's built on three pillars. Number one, fulfill your purpose. So I feel fulfilled. Two, do your best work. I feel valued. And the third one is live your best life. I belong. And we built all our programs around that. Obviously, the the team I lead is responsible for bringing that talent into the company. The talent acquisition team is our visions all around creating those experiences to attract and hire that talent. And it's all on simplicity and speed. And our leaders hold us accountable for helping them find and deliver the talent to fuel that growth of the company. So in terms of our strategy, obviously the bit we own as well is that phase before and leading up to when that talent joins the company. And we build that on three pillars, meaningful experience, manage a fair, consistent and inclusive process. And we have a term called we hire great people. Sounds pretty vanilla, but our definition of it is we really want talent, which is wide ranging experiences, diversity of thought. And we, we look for culture at in ServiceNow. So we want backgrounds different to our own to enrich our team culture as opposed to just necessarily hiring the same backgrounds all the time.
1: And at ServiceNow, what is your approach, Stuart, to effectively managing talent?
0: Yeah, constantly evolving. The starting point is a very clear direction and a strong commitment from everyone at ServiceNow on how we get our results which is by inspiring our customers being that global platform company and embedding our purpose in what we do every day. I think it sounds simple, but, you know, aligning goal setting with those priorities is is often a challenge for a lot of companies. And what I love in service now is that we've done that. And in the middle, then, you've then got, after the goals are set, these kind of three pillars to help people. Our overall learning and development programs, secondly, pathways for growth, and then we really invest in action-oriented feedback for people. I think the feedback piece is critical. So we, we set up this um, quarterly growth conversations, and that's something that we invest in significantly on, on my own team as well.
1: And you mentioned a little bit of how you think about success within your team. How do you break that down into which metrics are important? How do you really measure
0: that success? Well, we're a growth company, so the team's here to bring that external talent and the internal talent to fuel the growth of the company. Which means one, hitting our hiring targets every quarter. So that's really the the headline one that we that we look to. Now, obviously, within there, there is a whole suite of metrics that talent acquisition looks to that are built around efficiency and experience. So yes, we'll look at recruiter productivity. We'll also look at basic funnel metrics that, that help us understand, are we delivering quality? And one of the things we're taking action on in particular at the moment is just how long do we want it to take from interview one to offer? Um, and I think as, as a, any company grows, obviously your hiring process needs to reflect the stage of growth that you're in. And we have got some, you know, we're blessed with some amazing hiring managers in service now. We, are managing that balance of how do we interview in a very meaningful way and how do we do it so we can get it done within two or three weeks. So that speed, if you like, we're, we're looking at that all the time. And underpinning all of that is, you know, do we have the enablement on in- inclusive practices to ensure we're, we are hiring ahead of the workforce mix for, for all of the underrepresented groups that we have in our communities?
1: And as your perspective on what is considered underrepresented groups evolved in the last two, three years? Is that, is that something that's um, being evaluated over time?
0: Yes, literally, I would say every six months. So part of it, and I'm sure there's many other talent leaders out there that face the same challenges, investing in something that, you you know, you need to be able to measure quantifiable progress as we navigate all the respective employment laws and cultures in different countries. That's not stopping service now from saying well we really want to do something for this group within our company and there's a process we have to get into that and and it uh, probably won't surprise you that actually recruiting is the last piece
1: makes a lot of sense well as an extension from thinking about the success within the recruiting organization and, and the talent team we'll move to the next segment the journey a real journey
2: become the journey
1: and dig into some of the key elements of the candidate and employee and talent experience. What are some of the the things that you've really been focusing on in the talent experience across the full full spectrum of, of the talent lifecycle? Have there been key areas of the, the candidate experience or employee experience that you've been really trying to get right?
0: Yes, the first one is onboarding. I mean, obviously, that, that's the touch point for everyone's experience with the company. And I'll Are next to on the job. So feedback and trust are the currency of growth. And we've invested in this system where everyone gets a quarterly growth conversation with their manager throughout the year. So these are like mini 360 degree appraisals. And these are critical because I don't know about you, Salton. If I think about when I started my career, often those conversations were done once a year. And it's like, okay, let's talk about your year. And you're thinking, wow, this is. This is a little bit too late. We need it. We need it now.
1: I think that's still very much the norm in most organizations. Absolutely.
0: Right. And I'm going to share a quote from Adam Grant, uh, actually, which was shared to me by one of my leaders on the the leadership team. Withholding feedback is choosing comfort over growth. Staying silent deprives people of the opportunity to learn. If you're worried about hurting their feelings, it's a sign you haven't earned their trust in healthy relationships. Honesty is an expression of care.
1: I love that, and it reminds me of um, something a, a mentor of mine used to say, which is remind me that uh, all feedback is a gift. I think it's uh, the more regularly you can give and receive it, and to make a culture of it, the stronger you'll you'll create those feedback loops. But I I, I love that quote, Stuart. Stuart, yeah. Just building on this question of how you've approached this, what's been the most rewarding part of your journey in in digging into those initiatives and in the role that you've had
0: playing a part in other people's growth? That's personally how I get my my kicks my view is all of us are we're temporary stewards in our roles it might be for five years might be for 10 years and it's my belief i'm here to serve the community that i'm part of and you know when you look at your team you've got a team of other people's you know brothers sisters fathers mothers uncles aunts family and it's a calling to be in this in this job and there's there's for me there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing you know one of our team members grow and live live their best life
1: absolutely and as you as you said fulfill your purpose do your best work and live your best life are are the other are are other key pillars for you guys which um, which i love what have been some frictions if any that you've run into in trying to bring about change has there been in the process of trying to bring in either new methodologies or tooling or anything that you've done been any particular frictions that you've run into?
0: Yeah, I think dreaming big, bracing change is hard work. And I remember I got some advice early in my career whenever you're looking at a big, big hairy problem, start in small bites. And in the experience of my career so far, all of us, and I'm guilty of this, generally underestimate the amount of work required for a project. It's like, oh, we can do this, No problem. And we can give it to people as part of the day job. That's why we need to give projects to the experts so that people like myself can input as a maybe a subject matter expert in a certain area of talent acquisition but the real um leaders on the projects need to lead that project and change initiative and bring the right people in to help steer it and give it the support that we need and I think particularly talent leaders, we're getting better in it if I think when I started my career, this is not a strength in general in the talent function. And if I look now within service now and speak on behalf of some of the peers that I know outside the company, there are properly structured, you know, offices of change management and program management in, in that talent functions can lean on to create that change. And I I still fall into that trap, salt so myself, every day. I'm like, I think we can do this. And then um it either ends up not happening, gets delivered late or half baked. So uh, I'm
1: still learning. Well, one of the things we've seen with our customers is this growing trend to embrace, as you put it, starting in small bites when it comes to projects, but in a more formalized structure of internal gigs and internal mechanisms to create these projects. And we have a product supporting this with talent marketplaces, but... It's been interesting watching the, the sort of evolution of how companies go through the culture change of how that gets used. And you touched on the importance of bringing in the right expertise and giving projects to experts. What we are also seeing is the importance of allowing those projects to serve as a mechanism to give people exposure to certain, to expertise and to build expertise as well. And I'd love to know, in the context of what you've been working on at ServiceNow and your role have there been particular initiatives to think about reskilling, upskilling, and either using these projects as a mechanism to drive towards that or initiatives that touch on that?
0: Yeah. And I love what you said about the gig gig work. That's something we look at, we are looking at, and have some great examples of in, in the company. So yes, absolutely, we're doing it. I think, so I'd split it into two areas. We've got programs to help upskill people across the company, from individual contributor to manager to yeah, you know, the most senior leaders in the company the ones i love the most are the programs that are pan company pan role and we're very lucky that ServiceNow has invested in those in the last since i've been here the last four years so number one like anything to equip our people on on how to how do you thrive in this digital workplace what are the skills you need so we we talk about growth mindset adaptability empathy building trust you know, giving feedback and coaching. Coaching is not manager to direct report. Coaching is to each other. And creating the environment where you can do that is the magic. And actually, we had a great session last week. This is for the whole company. I I, I dialed in on crucial conversations. And this was helping us all understand you know, what's the difference between calling out? Oh, that person didn't do that project well and they didn't consult me, so I'm going to call them out versus calling them in and seeking to understand. So I remember being in that session and thinking about earlier in my career, I read the Stephen Covey Seven Habits book. And, you know, one of the, the habits is seek, seek first to understand and then be understood. So I've noticed those pan company programs massively upskill our people. Because we've got people that know, you know, more about, you know, we use the term rope making. They know about more about rope making than I possibly ever would. The skills needed to do the job are all around the how. Collaborating and co-creating stuff across functions and teams is the hardest work that anyone will ever do. And I think if you look at how companies thrive and grow, that's the that's the magic sauce in the middle.
1: I couldn't agree more, and. One extra thing we're seeing to that magic of how companies should thrive and grow is how important that centricity of skills and development and growth mindset is to inclusion and effective D&I programs. And I'd love to unpack a little bit more of what your views are on what effective D&I or inclusion program look like and what role this conversation around skills and growth has to play in that.
0: You know, the, the starting point is indexing on the why. So how can you build an inclusive mindset across your company? That is the starting point. Don't do anything else until you've, you've started there. Second point is have a look at pay equity, not just once, but all the time. Equip managers, how to navigate that conversation, especially when you're hiring so frequently. And hiring new talent into the company in high growth means often you do need to change your outlook on, on pay. The third point is give your people a voice. Build allyship groups for underrepresented groups and let the people in the company join those groups to show their support. Lobby for good. You know, I believe every company is a platform for change. So what message are you doing? What, le- what, what are the most senior leaders in the company doing to help continue the narrative? And remember earlier, Salta, when I said to you, recruiting is actually the last like brick in the wall. It is. And I've been there. There's other companies that have started with recruiting. And I think this is one of the the challenges we've all got to navigate together is when you give a data-driven, result-driven leaders like targets, you know, it can have some unintended consequences. And in ServiceNow, you know, we're constantly evolving our, like, how do we, this is a journey for all of us, right? So I don't, one of my own personal learnings is I don't see this as a this is a you know, problem to solve in a company. It's a journey for all of us. And I've, t- I've taken learnings from a prior company. I've brought them here. I'm mean, incredibly grateful for them. I've got some unbelievable learnings at service now that I've been sharing with my peer network to help their companies. That's the calling. Mm. We can't look back. At, you know, We're not looking back on a time. Oh, yeah. Can you remember in 2020, 100 years ago when they did that? DNI stuff and look look at what they did. We're charting this territory for for ourselves.
1: I love the way you mentioned uh, that data can have unintended consequences. I think that's um, a really interesting consideration. What would you say are either some of the unintended consequences or just the the biggest impact areas that the use of data has had on the industry and on talent acquisition in recent times?
0: I feel we're blessed, Sultan, with, with the data now. If I think when I went... My first role as a recruiter with Veritas Software in two thousand four five. It was I'm really good at forgetting certain dates. I mean, the only data I had was my notebook and the the requisition titles I wrote down at the end of every day. And whether I'm winning, whether I'm losing. Now we've got a suite of insights we can pull. We have an unbelievable talent insights team. So those data points have got to be used wisely. So if I think about the impact that data can have. Here's a great example we had last year, in fact one of our countries we hire for in, in the EMEA region. I heard from the sales leader that hey shirt, so your team's not providing you know enough quality candidates and generally if without meaning to sound that i'm a'm I'm a wise or a smart smart house, I tend to know I will know intuitively if we've had a problem, i kind of know where it is because that's how it works. Once I was able to understand where the particular leader was coming from. I was able to go to the data and and actually look and say, okay, what is the data showing us? What I found was instead of actually the perception from the managers that they're not getting the right talent, the data was showing me they were interviewing, this particular group were interviewing 12 candidates to to make an offer. And uh, one one out of every two offers didn't stick. And it was taking a really long time. So when I went back to my team said, hey, how does this all feel to you without the data? Obviously, I knew the data at this point. What I heard from the team is the managers are creating unicorn briefs. So all of a sudden, there's like this kind of epiphany moment where I think in general, you know, recruiters, we love to feel included and we love to please people. And we're out there trying to do our best and this particular example, we really just had unattainable briefs, and I was able to conduct a discussion with the hiring leaders to say, hey, how can we be more inclusive with our outlook here and yeah, thing turn around in, in no time?
1: It's a really interesting example because I imagine there's, there's few organizations that don't face that challenge appearing on a regular basis and having either unicorn briefs or just simply disconnects on the, the feasibility of briefs. And I think this is actually a, an area where technology and use of technology can help if you are creating a layer of intake around how well do we understand the skills for this role and how well do we understand the targets for this role because i think looking at just traditional job descriptions and briefs without that element of looking at capabilities makes it a lot more difficult and i think it's an area where we've we've seen both through what we do and what our customers have been doing with our software a lot of possibilities emerging to your point to be more data-driven it's a really good example of where a good BI team can help too. So this takes us nicely to our next section, the stress test. You're stressed. You're stressed. Now I'm stressed about being stressed.
2: Everything's going to be fine.
1: I'd love to unpack a little bit more some of the, the challenges that you've seen and had in the past 24 months. What are the top three, either employee or candidate's challenges that you've, uh, you've, you've seen and had to tackle at ServiceNow
0: well, I think the first one that's that we're all dealing with today is the immediate shift to hundred percent virtual onboarding. Um, ServiceNow, like any every other company, had to deal with that at scale. We were very lucky in that we had deployed our own kind of workflows within the talent acquisition lifecycle. So I always kind of view ServiceNow products as we, it's this workflow that talks to all of the other applications and people. So we've got nine applications from our ATS to our offer management system, to our ERP systems and IT systems, talking to each other through one journey. And that's nine applications and about 10 different teams. That was a big challenge. And we're still evolving how we approach that. And I think the, as I alluded to earlier, that the power of the insights, Sultan, we I'm fortunate. So I sit on the, the EMEA sales leadership team, go-to-market leadership team, and we have pillars for growth of the company. And one of the most animated discussions, understandably from all the leaders was, you know, Stuart, we need more talent from your team. And the data enabled me to see that actually what we were experiencing wasn't specific to service now. It's related to the market. And actually the, the lowest hanging fruit we could do was reduce the time we were taking the process. So we got a little bit disconnected in our process. And what was great was being able to shape that conversation and say, if we first start with, the, you know, begin with the end in mind, if we can actually solve this process and reduce six weeks down to two or three weeks, reduce the dropouts, would improve our offer acceptance rate, which is pretty high anyway. So that's kind of how we use the, the data in real life. And it helps me um, steer a lot of conversations.
1: That's, that's some uh, ambitious targets, so, so that sounds like you guys are making great progress. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your past self if you were to go back in time to when you first started in this role at ServiceNow, and were giving advice either to your past self or, or equivalent peers in the industry?
0: Um, begin with the end in mind. So get your stakeholders together, get your team together, create a vision inclusively, a mission and a roadmap, empower anyone involved with those roadmap items to deliver them and review it with frequency, keep evolving it and execute it. I think it's really easy to drift off into stuff that happens. if you've got the right the, the right roadmap, even if it's the most simple one and you execute it, you'll win.
1: Well, on the topic of beginning with the end in mind, we'll uh, jump forwards in time and imagine ourselves five years from now.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the future.
1: You came back five years from now, Stuart. What's changed?
0: The perception that the Great Resignation is a temporary thing. I believe COVID, the the pandemic, has changed the world of work that we're in forever, permanently. We're in the world where healthy, enduring companies means healthy, enduring cultures. Employee well-being, value-driven and belonging at the center of it. These are absolute non-negotiables now. They're not nice to have. If you don't have them, you will find it really hard to hold on to your people, and I don't think that the this great resignation is a is a temporary thing. People are moving from jobs where they've had to cope into jobs where they're going to get all of these things that we've discussed.
1: I couldn't agree more, and I think uh, the change isn't just about the expectations for people but also for how companies as a whole need to plan differently and on much tighter horizons and with a with a view of how to have the entire people function work together i think increasingly the need for a company to consider how to hire full potential and then grow that potential and have that work hand in hand is hopefully going to leave a really positive impact on how we operate as companies for the companies that embrace that and the need to think across the full talent life cycle but um but i agree with you i don't believe that's uh, that's going away and hopefully that's a good thing well thank you Stuart. um this has been a a fascinating conversation. Really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and sharing your insights. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's Talent Lifecycle Management Platform makes it possible for enterprises to drive more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce with industry-leading AI. Beamery optimizes every step of the talent lifecycle, from sourcing and identifying talent with the right skills and potential to building and marketing your employment brand creating an internal talent marketplace and mobilizing your employees through getting the reporting and talent insights that you need to make better decisions about your workforce. Are you ready to unlock
0: your talent? Learn more at Beamery.com.